By listening to the Conscious Fertility Podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician or healthcare provider for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Welcome to Conscious Fertility, the show that listens to all of your fertility questions so that you can move from fear and suffering to peace of mind and joy. My name is Lauren Brown. I'm a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and a clinical hypnotherapist. I'm on a mission to explore all the paths to peak fertility and joyful living. It's time to learn how to be and receive so that you can create life on purpose. So welcome to another episode of the Conscious Fertility Podcast. And today I have two doctors, authors with me. Their latest book, we're going to list all their books, is Quantum Integrative Medicine. For those watching this on our YouTube channel, I'm holding up a cover of the book. For those on the podcast, um, it's a copy of the book you're going to want to get. And I'm going to introduce both our guests. And the first is um, we have Amit Goswami here, I'm a retired physicist, and we have Valentina Anasur, a medical doctor and also trained in Chinese medicine, yoga, Ayurvedic medicine. And I'm going to give an introduction to both. Starting with Amit, Amit, can I tell people your age? I is that okay if I tell them that you've been around the, that you've gone no around problem. the sun a few times? So Amit is has has lived a life, and he's at the time of this recording, he's eighty seven years old, right? Am I correct to say that? Yeah, <laughs> amazing and sharp as ever, still publishing work and, and doing so many things in our world. So thank you. And he's a retired professor of physics I'm from the University of Oregon, where he served from nineteen sixty seven to nineteen ninety seven. In 1985, he discovered the solution to the quantum measurement problem and developed the science of experience explicating how consciousness splits into subject and object. Uh, Sequently, he developed a theory of reincarnation and integrated conventional and alternative medicine with the new quantum science of health. Among his discoveries are the quantum theory of the creative process, the theory of quantum evolution, the science of love and happiness. I'm going to pause there. There's more, but we're going to have to talk about this because a lot of our listeners have a lot of questions about love in general and relationships. So also the theory of quantum economics. Well, you know, the world is in a little bit of a problem here. So we may want to talk to you a little bit about how quantum can uh, solve our abundance issue. And also the theory of quantum spirituality based on the exploration of wholeness. Now, as I mentioned, he's a prolific writer. He's an author of many books, The Self-Aware Universe, Physics of the Soul, The Quantum Doctor. I read that one. Excellent. God is not dead. Listen to that one as well. Quantum Creativity, The Everything Answer Book, Quantum Spirituality, which he wrote with our other guest today, Valentina Anasor, The Quantum Brain, also they co-wrote, Quantum Activation, The Quantum Psychology and Science of Happiness. He was also featured in the movie, What the Bleep Do We Know? And the documentaries, Dalai Lama uh, Renaissance and The Quantum Activists. And I understand, I think you guys have another book coming out on quantum relationships. You continue to write. And they also have a university PhD program on this whole quantum science, which hopefully you guys will share a little bit more information. Our other guest today is Dr. Valentina Anasor. She's a medical doctor, so a practicing physician specializing in family medicine who integrates various systems of alternative medicine, including acupuncture, 
Ayurveda, naturopathy, aromatherapy, homeopathy, into her medical practice. So she is the living essence of integrative medicine. I mean, now we're going to learn a new term, quantum integrative medicine. She's committed to consciousness, awakening, related sciences for over two decades, and is a pioneer of quantum integrative medicine. She's also a yoga meditation teacher. She's made correlations between the ancient science and quantum physics using both as a support for her teachings. Through a unique system of quantum healing, Valentina inspires people to achieve enhanced physical, emotional, and spiritual health that can allow for profound and long-lasting integration and regeneration on all levels. And as I mentioned, she's also a co-author along with Dr. Agaswamy on many books, including Quantum Spirituality, The Quantum Brain, The Awakening of Intelligence, um, Quantum Integrated Medicine, which we're going to talk about today. And I don't think it's out yet, but the, the other book you guys are working on is The Quantum Science of Love and Relationship. Is that is that published yet? No, not yet. Maybe <laughs> in one sure. year. The we're next one a... is on archetypes, the first one. We're going to get a <laughs> teaser today then on the love and relationship. So I, I kind of want to start off with, I think we need to define some terms. Like in, we've had many guests and our, our podcast is called the Conscious, Conscious Fertility Podcast. You're using the term quantum integrative medicine. Can we get a, a little sense of what we're talking about when we talk about quantum? Who would like to start with just kind of giving us a definition and maybe lead into what's the difference then between integrative medicine versus allopathic medicine versus alternative medicine? And then how do you differentiate between quantum integrative medicine and just integrative medicine. So can we kind of define these topics, please? Okay. The quantum, I guess I should volunteer. Quantum is the same word as quantum physics, means just the elementary particles of both matter and energy consist of discrete quantities. These discrete entities are called quanta for radiation, for energy, and called elementary particles for matter. But they are the same thing. The idea of discrete quantity. It cannot break down quanta to any further uh, denomination. That said, the special thing about quantum objects is that there are possibilities for consciousness to choose from. And this is where quantum physics is unique. Because Newtonian physics has no room for consciousness. It's purely a science of objects. And so science... If it assumes Newtonian physics and only material objects like most scientists do today, they have no way of really introducing consciousness as we know it. As we know it, of course, is that we experience consciousness. Experience requires we, subject, and the object. But materialists only have objects. Newtonian physics only have objects. Quantum physics, because Objects are possibilities. Quantum physics has to introduce consciousness to make sense of the possibilities. Choose from possibilities the actual event of experience. So this gives you a solid foundation for considering everything that pertains to a human being. This is why integrative medicine, if you do it any other way, it won't be a complete theory. It will be partly philosophy, partly theory. For example, Chinese medicine introduced the concept of qi, or vital energy. That is different from physical energy, to non-physical energy. But there is no way to introduce a non-physical entity in science unless quantum science comes in. And there is no way to non introduce non-physical entity in philosophy without introducing dualism, which is that they are separate worlds of non-physical and 
physical. But separate worlds of non-physical and physical gives us the problem of interaction. Non-physical cannot interact with physical without a mediator. What mediates? In quantum science, consciousness is the ground of all being. Possibilities of both vital, mental, and material are possibilities of consciousness to choose from. So consciousness parallelly chooses material as it chooses the vital and the mental. So in a sense, you must say vital and the mental are mapped or represented in the material. So in this way, quantum science is giving us a complete theory. Otherwise, you get theory plus philosophy, and the philosophy then has to be justified empirically. Of course, there is plenty of empirical justification for the Chinese system of medicine as well as Indian system of Veda as well as homeopathy. But quantum science is giving us, enabling us to develop a complete theory of medicine. So this book we are very proud of because it's at the first time that we have a theory. Even allopathic medicine really does not have any theory, but we really have a theory of health. And so we can suggest preventive health because without the theory, you don't know how to prevent disease. And we can. So main forte is where Valentina's contribution was major because she has been a preventive medicine doctor for our entire career. Okay, now Valentina, you take over. Yeah, so it is indeed, again, we speak about this bona fide preventive medicine. That's the integration that we, we speak about in this book, especially on uh, techniques of nutrition, which is techniques and also theory of nutrition for all the five bodies, as I mentioned, you know, physical, vital, mental, soul, or supramental, and spirit. And in this way, we get a handle for disease prevention. And uh, in my experience, again, so I've been trained, first of all, in allopathic tradition, yeah, and I've been specialized in family medicine with this reason, because I already knew from my father. My father, he was specialized in preventive medicine. And it was already very interesting for me, this, and together with the interest I got in spirituality, since I was very baby, <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, all this came together with the other uh, traditional medicines that I, I have uh, learned and practiced. But I also noticed that practitioners of alternative medicine are equally scornful of the allopathic practice. So both of them, they have all this superiority while looking at each other and kind of refusing to integrate, to come together, you know. And obviously, it's a lack of truth there and lack of maturity, I would say. And then the, my deepest question was really how to go from these deep divisions among practitioners of uh, the two camps, you know, to an integral medicine that both camps will accept. So again, back to the philosophical roots of all the medicine practices and discover this unifying bridge building philosophy, which is quantum science. And uh, if we don't have a proper theory, the conventional medicine is largely forced to stay disease centers, you know? And so that's why, I mean, we are speaking about an optimistic medicine, you know, you, you see not just the empty part of the glass, but again, if we don't acknowledge all these other uh, qualities and richness that can come from the awareness and working on what's happening with the other bodies. And for example, where the root of a certain disease or uh, sufferance is from, you know, usually it's not in the physical body, yeah? only after many, many years when you're not really looking into the problem correctly. And then, so it's a whole new approach to deal with health and healing. 
and there are many important theoretical developments and also practical, obviously. And uh, especially we're talking about an elevated physiology for organs in the navel and the heart areas. You know, that's why we speak about the chakras. And this was available for humanity for millennia. And in the past, it has kept us away from chronic diseases more than is happening today. Today, so many problems, cancers, Alzheimer's, not to mention. Yeah. So a lot of faulty worldview and lifestyle, a lot of separation, what's happening nowadays, you know. So again, there's a lot of knowledge and uh, practical things, you know, to instill in both, uh, both AI. Because again, as you know, probably Amit wrote The Quantum Doctor in 2004, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, this is a further step from all that knowledge that was at that time. I want to ask a couple of questions around what you guys both shared and kind of summarize what I think I'm hearing. And when I have guests on, if if you're somebody that's more from the alternative or like a, the yoga tradition or intuitive tradition, then I, I push hard on the on the science side, right? And if you're more of a allopathic trained science, then I, I push more on the conscious, you know, I, that's the side I take, right? To see if we can grow and learn. And, mm -hmm. and you guys come from both. So this is going to be really interesting because you are integrative. So what I'm hearing, and I mean, the first part of what you shared is there's this new science or there's science called, there's the quantum physics. And it seems like um, medicine in general is dominated by Newtonian physics, materialism. And um, you're suggesting that there's a, another science that can explain why we have disease and how disease can heal and how we can prevent disease. And so, so I'm hearing that part correct, right? That there's a whole other, when we look at it from a materialistic Newtonian world, then you're like a machine and uh, parts wear out and uh, we need drugs and surgery to try and fix things. It's a very physical medicine. When you get into quantum physics, you mentioned consciousness. So now we have to, I don't know if you can define it because nobody's really been able to, to define it, but people use the term consciousness. There's something um, beyond space and time, non-local that we experience. And it seems like everything is unmanifested. As you use the term, there's this potential, there's constant potential, things are in waves. I'm, I'm using terms that I've heard from speakers, although I don't think I know what I'm talking about, but there are waves. And then as soon as you put your attention to it, they can collapse into particles. And now we have the physical manifestation. And Valentina, you're talking about the five bodies. You, I've heard you say chakras and you talked about the five bodies and I'd love to hear them again. And the physical, I think people get, okay, the physical, and I, I think I heard mental, vital, maybe emotional, spiritual. How do you work with your colleagues then when they hear chakras, um, because we tend to like to measure things. And if we can't measure things, then we don't always believe they exist. So how do you get through that first, um, what I consider a, a roadblock of creating that integration when you're talking about things that a lot of people don't recognize is real? Actually, what has helped enormously is that now vital energy can be measured. Gaussian photography, biophoton emission, these are very sophisticated technique, but they are solidly based on the fact that we have a bioelectric body at the skin. This can be measured, and this bioelectric body, the field of the bioelectricity is very sensitive to our feelings and emotions, and therefore we are measuring it today. And especially this biophoton emission, when it matures, it is just a very new field, but when it matures, we really can tell already our friend uh, Giochino Pagliaro already has measured people, for example, who have enormous love in their heart versus people who don't. And the biophotonimation spectrum is so different. You can tell right away, okay, there's no question that this person is special. 
Is it hard? Well, of course, that part cannot be directly verified yet, but soon we probably can even localize, okay, this person's heart is the place where there is some awakening. Valentina talked about higher physiology. This awakening of the heart gives us, it's the quantumization of the heart. Heart becomes quantum. When you say heart goes quantum, I'm curious becomes what, you, what you mean by that. And there's a few things I just want to uh, unpack a bit because you, you talked about how we think and feel. And in Chinese medicine, the number one cause of disease is when our thoughts or emotions are out of imbalance. It can lead to disease. And in conscious work, um, and what I see in my practice is these old traumas that, you know, the issues are stuck in the tissues are causing a lot of these health problems. And when we can release these emotional traumas or these old programs, beliefs, if there's free flow again in the body, right? Indeed. You said in one of your books about, um, is it the heart that doesn't get cancer? You said every organ can get cancer, but is it the heart, huh? the only organ that doesn't mm -hmm. get cancer? Right, right. Okay, so I just find that fascinating. You may have want to add on that, but you talked about the heart goes quantum. I've heard about heart-brain coherence and that you're saying they're measuring photons in the biofield off of the heart. Many people say we're, we're like broadcasting, right, out. And so can you talk a little bit mm -hmm. more about the importance of the heart? And you've brought into your book, and I've heard many other um, experts I have on here that are scientists as well, and they're talking, talking, and we're, and we're distilling down and down, and then finally they say, okay, it's all about love. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. love. That, love is that, the answer. That's what Christian discovered. And we made the same conclusion. Love is a fantastic thing, I tell you. But love is not the answer to everything. For example, type 2 diabetes, the answer is self-love, not so much other love. So there are some things that are, are at the major disease like dementia or schizophrenia. These are purely brain disease. So there are diseases which, are, uh, which do not involve the heart as the primary reason anyway. But getting back to heart, how hard the heart becomes quantum, the whole difference between Newtonian and quantum is a phenomenon called decoherence. When an object becomes big, like any macro object, including our heart, including our brain, then what happens is the individual part, they move, but not in synchrony with each other, like rock and roll dancing. One goes one way, one goes the other way. And so although consciousness connects, can connect to the individual, but consciousness connect, cannot connect to the whole thing. In other words, the whole thing, macroscopically, is unable to connect to consciousness. So the individual parts can connect to consciousness. So consciousness has nothing to choose from, because consciousness can choose only at the macroscopic level. So consciousness can choose at the cellular level, but not at the organ level. So ordinary heart is therefore very limited. It's just a machine, blood pump. But when the heart is awakened, when different parts of the heart start dancing in phase, this is what we call coherent, every part is moving together, okay? Like choreographed dancing. So this is a very special situation. Heart becomes quantum. This coherence has been discovered by the Heart Math Institute, the data that you talked about. And this is the basis. We show that when heart becomes quantum, then heart physiology changes, just like in the butterfly and caterpillar phenomena. Caterpillar has a set of genes 
that work for the caterpillar state, but when the caterpillar becomes butterfly, a completely different set of genes work to give you a different set of physiology. Same thing happens at the heart because of this quantum leap. So uh, now we can love, we can care for another. This extra physiological ability develops. And so the, our general conclusion is that the result, the immune system becomes very healthy. And this is where all those healing properties, because healthy immune system is wonderful. It can prevent cancer, it can prevent heart disease, all kinds of stuff. Okay, let me add some things, because that's uh, my favorite chapter, heart. <laughs> so yes, I would say, you know, as you, as you started, for me, a human being uh, is human and really starts enjoying what, what is this gift of life as a human being in the physical body when uh, we awaken the heart, you know, and this awakening of the heart is not just thinking of the heart. Yeah, it's much more than that. It really takes a quantum leap to do that. And uh, if you if you look into the science of chakras, you know, so the first three chakras are more instinctual, if you want to say. And then even in the Christian tradition, so we we go over many traditions, yeah, especially the Christian tradition, the Hindu tradition, uh, which brings a lot of theories. Also, Tibetan traditions when we speak about what's happening after somebody dies, you know, so that so for me again, that's the place where we. We start uh, enjoying really this human experience and we are not so much dominated by all the negative emotion brain circuits when you discover the space of the heart. And also, again, if you think of this main quantum principles, the easiest to perceive principle of how we can really connect to that space of oneness, you know, is through non-locality yeah? and heart. You know, it's the signature of non-locality. It's the easiest way to tap into this non-locality. Yeah, and eventually the heart, as I'm calling it, it's not just a physical heart. You can go very deep and discover the spiritual heart, which actually it's a gate for supramental experience. Supramental, again, it's one of these bodies that we have it. We have so many things that we really don't explore usually in this life. And it is a pity, yes. So education is uh, something which we consider to be essential, you know, so it's the same like you want to eat <laughs> or you yeah. want to take baths, you know, it's you sh we should get into a healthy educational system. And of course, about medicines, it's our favorite topic, but about everything, you know, we until, for example, we, we become aware that we have this dominance that the brain is giving of the negative uh, emotional brain circuits, which is five times stronger than the positive ones, which we have to create. So until even realizing this, which is discovered in neuroscience already, you know, and then, then you may have another approach because when you go further and discover your heart and awaken your heart, at least a little bit, and also connect with your physical body, connect with the feelings in the body, which we call feelings as the experience on the chakras, yeah? That's when you have the chance to create the positive emotional brain circuits, which of course is the path towards healing, but is the path towards growth also. So for me, healing and growth and transformation go definitely together. And I'm looking at disease or sufferance as a, as a message, if you want, of transformation. Uh, transformation, you know. So it's giving you a very clear feedback of what's happening with your with yourself, you know. So. It's yeah. an opportunity for growth. Many have said that when you have these crises, whether it's emotional yeah. or physical or a life situation, um, you can have the attitude that it's happening to me, a victim, so you suffer more, or you can use it as an opportunity, as an awakening, and uh, it's happening for you and you grow from it. 
when you talked about the spiritual heart, so the heart coherence and the spiritual heart, I just have some questions around that. And you use the term super mentality. And so I, again, I, it's just nice to kind of get an understanding of, of these definitions. I often have heard the term that when you find this presence, which sounds like when you get into the heart, when you're fully present, they say you tap into your mm -hmm. higher self and you, you tap into big C consciousness. When you say super mentality, is that your higher self or is that big C consciousness that you're you're referring to like what how, how are you describing super mentality when you when you say you well, can it, tap it, into that it both the, the the heart the quantum heart connects to the archetype of love today so what is happening is that the this is the first quantum leap that the heart can take so in the first quantum leap which you experience as romantic love we can love the other who is intimate with me it is still love that comes from the archetype so in a sense, it is still supramental in the sense that we can make positive emotions out of this romantic love or the love that we feel for parents or children, that kind of love. And then when Valentino was talking about spiritual heart, this is the heart of Jesus, for example, which is famous in Christianity. You have seen that, I'm sure, in pictures. Big heart. That's the expansion of consciousness where we are really Awakening the spirit, that, that requires the second quantum leap of unconditional love. So that's when supramental intelligence dawned upon us, because now we really are into the supramental domain, supramental body of ourselves, really developing positive emotions in their full force. So Valentina is very enthusiastic because both of us are now working on that kind of stuff. So, well, on that, uh, and there's so much I want to talk about this, and I want to jump into, at some point, just relationships, because a lot of the people I see come in and, and relationships can be a trigger for them. And we talk about, I call it conscious relationships. Uh, your term is quantum relationships. A question I have for you is my own personal experience and the people I see, you're talking about the love and the positive thoughts or emotions, but they actually come in with, in that negative state. And when we start to do this, I call it conscious work or this quantum integrative healing. When I've, I've gone through your book, I think we're, we're on the same page on this. I, I'm asking you the question as why is this? That the first things that seem to come up are these uncomfortable feelings. And no matter what the story is, whether you're wealthy or poor, healthy or sick, um, relationship, not relationship, when you distill down the story and get into the the feeling and the subconscious programming, the feelings are shame and guilt and not belonging and not enough. And for whatever reason, they're in powerful, very uncomfortable feelings. But if you can really sit in those feelings, be present and witness them without judging them and analyzing them. And I have tools in your book, you have tools. If you can really get practice at this, it seems like they act like a doorway into presence, which I think you call getting into the super mentality, tapping the higher consciousness. But it seems like you have to go through this veil or this filter, and it's really, really uncomfortable. Yes, yes. And, yes. You really and, do have to go through a filter. It, but so, is there... So what happens? That, is so that a happens? common thing that you guys have seen in your research in your, in your clinics then? Yeah, this is the unfortunate thing. For most people, they do not have a quantum heart. They go through the petroleum man. Women, mostly, at least in the older cultures, American women are losing it. But uh, women in most other countries are not so cerebral. 
So there, their heart is um, uh, already taken a quantum leap and it is acknowledged. In the childhood, most people, many people, take quantum leaps of the heart. But what happens is that they forget it later. And some people never take the quantum leaps of the heart, and those are the you know, rugged old individual men who refuse to be vulnerable to anyone. They literally cannot love because love is a foreign concept to them. What do they feel in the heart chakra? They feel defensiveness. Immune system dominates their heart chakra, thymus gland. So, you know, this is the problem. The negative that you're talking about basically comes from defensiveness. I already have a shield against you. I have to defend against you because you are other, you are not me. This is the job of the immune system. So we get stuck in that mindset. Well, Gina? Yeah, I have lots. And you're such a wonderful, uh, you know, I feel so good talking to you. I could talk so much. I mean, it's so <laughs> triggering so many things. So, uh, yeah, I had uh, tons of experience in my relationships. And I know to what this can take also. So also both ways, actually, because I, I had, the, I mean, as I'm so passionate in my life, so I kind of dared, you know, to go to the depths of the things, you know, so I went very deeply into the negative as well in the positive, you know, so I'm glad for my experiences, really. But uh, it's indeed, you have to understand, you have to, okay, eventually, it would be ideal, obviously, to have a partner or a lover, eventually husband or wife, uh, where you live in a committed relationship, where you wa want to transform both of you, you know? So, and then things can happen because you can engage into what we call creativity, you know? And creativity, again, obviously it will uh, refer to what we call tangle hierarchy. That's another term that we will have to define, which tangle hierarchy is not just in lover's relationship, but it's also, let's say, between me as a medical doctor and my patient, you know? So it's not a superior-inferior relationship. It's not a dominant relationship. So we have so many of these negative circuits unless we develop our own, all these levels of consciousness, which are the chakras, you know, all these words of manifestation, which are there to be discovered. Until then, we will still dominate it by what the brain is putting in, you know, and there's so much anger, there's so much fear, there's domination, you know, so especially, again, as I said in the beginning, so we are under all these negative emotional circuits, dominance, you know, which are instinctual, you know, you are kind of reactive, reacting more than acting, you know, so, and uh, when, uh, when there's this uh, bomb, you know, which I call this engine, uh, engine of transformation in a couple relationship, that's going to be so much more healing and so much more transformation than whatever you can do by yourself. Because if you are alone, you can transform and you can even have so many fantasies about your transformation. But actually, life will give you the feedback when you encounter a person that you want to start a love relationship. And then you will see, OK, I'm still full of shit, you know, really. <laughs> and then I want to transform. And then this person next to me ideally would be a mature person. And we both can hold our spaces like the temples. You know, like you, there are all these uh, beautiful uh, metaphorical poems, you know, Rabindranath Tagore and Rumi and all that, they, how they describe love is there, you know. So you have to hold your space, 
and not so much be so much into, I mean, of course, if you have a lot of fears in your own life and you didn't develop Manipura Chakra, the abdominal brain, then you will be so much uh, depend in a dependency, codependency and creating all these visual circuits, which can not just uh, put you out of love completely, but also it can get you sick, you know? So in the same time, when you have a partner that you can really work with each other, you can empower each other consciously, not fantasies, really but be able to develop your empathy and to, you know, to it's like a flower that you can cultivate and it's always new. And again, engaging into creativity, you can really have this, this relationship which you discover every day something new about it. It's like a whole universe in one person. We shouldn't get so tired, but we have to also know how to keep that uh, newness, how to keep that, that first, the initial spark of divine love, which is manifesting there in your heart, you know, which is, it is a gift, you know, then again, as we learn how to work with these higher archetypes, then we, we learn how to cultivate this flower of love and how to, for example, heal, how to work with forgiveness in a couple relationship, because that's one of the things, you know, we should learn how to do that. And it's much easier when you do it together with somebody, then you can really go through very, very old wounds of the past and uh, heal them in the presence of love, for example. There are many, many things. I'm I'm, la I'm smiling inside because the last part you said is, I'm going to use my words, but the, the partner in your relationship triggers you so you get to heal. <laughs> so yes. I think we have to put something, we have to be transparent. And uh, I've heard other conscious teachers say that relationships aren't here to make you happy. They're here to make you conscious. <laughs> so that's why you're like, it's great because they trigger you so you can find out where your wounds are. <laughs> um, that's been my experience, right? You, The oh, relationships yes. show you where you have, um, like you say, blocks or, or feeling separate. And I, I, again, it's a question for you. It seems like when you work with men and women, when they kind of heal and have that quantum heart, they start to see their partner differently, don't they? Their relationship changes, not because their partners yeah. change, but because they have changed. So I was giving you one example. I mean, I was married once and then I divorced. And uh, I'm very happy for both of them, you know, for the marriage and for the divorce. I mean, I, I had this wonderful relation with this guy. And uh, still after the divorce, because we, we both went through a lot of phases and maturity kicked in in a beautiful way. And we continued our life. And then afterwards we met and we became, he's my best friend. He's the person I can trust the most, you know. So it's, it's everything is changing as if you really don't know the person that is next to you in that time when you're kind of only in your world of projection and expectation and you're putting superficially effort there just going taking it for granted most of that you know so we take for granted and we may even have quantum leaps of love you know especially in our youth and we take them for granted which means that we don't get to create that power of the software in the heart you know and we have to do it later no problem so we have another chance of these quantum leaps later in life yeah but first of all, I mean, what's happening, we take for granted. So all these wonderful experiences, instead of allowing them to transform us very deep, you know, we take them for granted and then sufferance comes or disease comes. And eventually you ask yourself, do I want to live this way or what? Besides, my experience also taught me a lot because, you know, I was a cerebral person. Yes, as a physicist, that's the natural way to be, right? Hmm. So I spent... Until I was 37, in this very cerebral mode, astral thinking, materialist thinking. And then I get married a second time, and this wife says, 
she doesn't tolerate my saying I love you because she said it's all cerebral. You have to love from your heart. And that's what challenged me to what is this heart she's talking about? Sure. Fortunately, quantum physics can be handled to eventually discover how a heart, which is blood pump, can actually manage to transform to enable you to love and transform again to enable you to love more than one person at the same time and the entire world, in fact. So, you know, this is a long, long progression of transformation. But the important thing is that if we uh, learn to feel the expansion of consciousness that spirituality talks about, if we, we can feel it very easily at the heart. And once you feel that you are already expanding your consciousness to include another person, that's what loving another person is. You take care of yourself and take care of her or him as much as you take care of yourself. This, that ability is just, if you think about it, it's tremendous. You're completely overruling your immune system which says the other is the other, you are you. You're completely overruling it instead of saying, no, other is me. So that's the discovery, initial discovery of the spirit that all of us can do just by having a loving relationship in our life. Not only to talk about health benefits, but look at the benefit in terms of behavior in the world. How can I ever, a lover cannot institute a war with the atrocity, state uh, terrorism, and that just could not happen uh, if you if we could just propagate love, even at the romantic level. And then, of course, unconditional level, heart of Jesus, that's another level altogether. But at that level, we become supramental beings. And when you talk about, like going back into your book about the quantum integrative healing and quantum integrative medicine, you talk about like lifestyle. So some of the common things that people can read, you know, it's becoming more common knowledge on the web and talking to many health professionals, you know, proper diet, proper sleep, lifestyle hygiene. I think where the big paradigm shift has been happening is on the emotional side. And we're talking about love. And my experience and understanding is is, is really this self-love, not in a narcissistic way, but the self-acceptance and self-love. Is this something that you share in, in, in your book and in your work of the self-acceptance and love? And what yeah, are some it, it, of the practices that you kind of recommend? Because it's, it's not so much, I'll put it out there for the listeners. You can read all the self-help books you want and you're not going to be quantum or conscious. It requires you to do the process work. Like you actually have to do a practice. Um, it's been my experience to have the transformation. It, the value is not in the knowledge. The value is in the application of the knowledge. And so you can talk the talk and sound like a guru, but not have the transformation inside. It really requires process work. So I guess the question is, what is some of the process worker exercises that you guys subscribe to to allow for this quantum healing on those five bodies that you mentioned? So obviously it is super important because again, I discovered even if uh, we keep developing all kinds of devices, all kinds of the best support for the physical body and all kinds of pills and still it's not going to be enough. You know, you can eat salads and best, best proteins and whatever all day long. But if you maintain all this negativity, you will not progress on the path of healing, you know, and obviously, as you mentioned, so when we still maintain these feelings of a victim in the background of our being, you know, that's not a sign of healing. So you know that you're you're making a 
step on the path of healing when you become responsible for all that and you're not taking it as if uh, god is punishing you or the universe or oh my god i'm so not so that's again you have to come out of this victim attitude but it's not enough that now i have i say that you have to come out obviously it's not sometimes it's not easy sometimes it can take many years and also keep in mind that some things, yes, it can be a, a part of this big cycle, which is, again, many lives, you know. So according to what you have assumed to, to carry and to transform and to heal in this life, yeah. But still, it, this is still not something to make us be passive. And all this passive attitude uh, is not very much helping, you know. So it's, love is something active. Forgiveness, it's a, an active path. So, and still in the same time, it doesn't mean that you have to be in all this do, do, do mode, you know? So it's only that. So we need to kind of allow in creativity. You have to understand creativity is something very important to understand how it starts. So we'll have to get into this topic because creativity is applying both in healing and in developing of all these brains and in everything, creativity. Yeah? And you found maybe some of this in the book, this, in the that movie, The Secret, but which is not really giving the secret. So we have to step into creativity and again, self-love and uh, self-acceptance, it is a must. And even though you maybe you heard about uh, methods like Ho'oponopono, don't do it like that. You know, like you cannot just say if you don't really mean it. So they are just saying you repeat these formulas, I love you, and I don't know what. But if you if you don't really feel it, you, you shouldn't even do it because it's about being fake. The feeling is key, right? Like you have to yeah, yeah, feel yeah. it. That's the language of the subconscious, yeah. it seems, the feelings. Yeah. I, I always describe it, Valentina, that you're, you have an intention or a thought. So like you're, you're saying your affirmation, but that's the intention. But the feeling is what puts the power behind the intention. It's like the beacon that goes out into the ether. And if you, if you say, I love you, but inside you hate yourself or you, I, I want to be wealthy, but inside you feel lack, that it's the lack that gets sent out there. It doesn't. Yeah, this, this is why we emphasize very much not only the awakening of the heart, but also awakening of the navel chakra. Because yeah. the navel chakra teaches you that self-esteem, self-love, and the two are equally important. Otherwise, you become dependent on the other sex to provide you. Male depends on the female to take care of relationship and Females depend on the men to take care of worldly aspects of things. This is this got to go. We got to become independent, take responsibility for our actions, not depend on somebody else, even though that somebody may be my intimate relationship. So if we start integrating, this is why Jesus emphasized so much integrate the male and the female when you know, I'm quoting exactly, when males shall not be male and females shall not be female, then shall you enter the kingdom of heaven. This is a quote from Jesus, uh, according to Thomas. Well, how, how do we interpret that when, you, when he says that? Well, that means disintegration. We interpret exactly like women have strong heart, men have strong navel. When you make the two one, namely you balance self-love and other love, then you are ready for the supramental, ready for the spirit. So self-love so and, and love of other. Let me get some practices in about this, you know, sure. because again, there, there sure. are some things which you, you can start with. And again, no matter how long it takes, you know, but obviously uh, being uh, in a sedentary, sedentary life and just watching movies and sitting, this is not one of the things. But what we all should do is, for example, do simply abdominal breathings. That means 
that we anyway we have to engage into deeper breathing yeah usually we just breathe uh, clavicular yeah which is a superficial mode it will just make us more and anxious you know and is not helping but if you simply take a deeper breath yeah and exhale from the mouth you know and while keeping relaxed uh, the shoulders and the spine straight and aware on the breath yeah you simply can and pay attention in the abdominal area yeah, there is again it's really the first brain that is discovered there the emotional brain but it is a brain manipura chakra is there so when that is connected it's the psychology chakra psychology is describing again manipura chakra connected with a kind of self-love self self-acceptance and so also it's connected with the willpower you know so the willpower the courage of transformation starts there so it's it's an area it's also called symbolically uh, uh, fire energy in that area because there is a fire the fire of transformation starts there and if you simply do abdominal breathing as often as possible you know so we have we have so many bad moments instead of just thinking of things you know and regurgitating the repeating thoughts unfinished thoughts which come in our head we can better do abdominal breathing and eventually after some time you will realize that something will pop up there and something the way you see the things will really change you know and especially women if you have the abdomen contracted like wood, you know, it's really happening like that. And uh, that means the energy, they simply don't function in that area. And this can lead to many diseases. So first of all, the energy doesn't have the chance to collapse. We speak about the collapse of the energies from the lower chakras, Muladhara chakras, Vadisthana chakra, the first two chakras below Manipura chakra. The first place where, where this energy can collapse is in the abdominal area. And if they don't have this chance because the abdomen is very contracted, that you're very much prone to develop cysts, fibromas, urinary infections, I don't know, so many problems, whatever is related to the organs below this area. But also you're very much prone to develop uh, stomach problems, intestinal problems, all this uh, irritable bowel syndrome, for example, that you keep hearing, obviously is related to Manipura chakra problems, constipation, and ulcers, out of stress is there. So there are many, many things. You can even massage this area with an intent. You can rub your palms and massage deeply on empty stomach both directions yeah and that's another thing again so and then simply do some abdominal breathings and there you have a practice already to start the day with more self-confidence which comes from manipura chakra without self-confidence we don't have the courage we don't have the perseverance you know to go through a healing process to go through life to go towards love we need that self-confidence which is not about being proud you know of anything it's not being proud or lacking confidence is the same problem you know so developing that healthy self-confidence is putting you in touch even with God's will eventually. And then, you know, you have the right approach towards life and integration at that level, which can only awaken once you purify and develop this level. And then for the heart, for me, the way to do it, it's again engaging forgiveness and then forgiveness about others or relations that uh, there was a lot of misusing or ignoring there or revenge or grudge. Yeah. Many times, again, you have to go back to the childhood, but also forgiveness of yourself because many times it's you're, you're getting wiped and then you're wiping yourself hundred times more. You know, that's interesting to see that actually you're not blaming the others, you are blaming yourself in a very deep level. So first you start with conscious way to work with forgiveness while also do something for the heart. There are exercises, there's pranayama, there's this very simple practice, you know, in Pratanasana is called in the yoga tradition, where you're pressing the palms with the with this attitude of prayer, with the pure heart. And there's a nadi here, which is helping activate the heart. 
but you have to have the intent to connect with your heart, to bring yourself healing and love. So the first stage again is this forgiveness, yeah? And then eventually the another stage is called healing. So you go to the real healing. Forgiveness is a beginning. It's allowing a new beginning. You want a new beginning because it will allow you to regenerate. And the healing level, it requires quantum leaps. You know, it's called, we call it the recovery of the soul. And so healing would consist of starting again a, a relationship, a new relationship with yourself and develop the navel and with others also and develop the heart, the romantic love for sure, and go again through quantum leaps of romance once again. And then you can even speak of this romance with God, if you want, at some level. If you're alone and you don't have somebody in your life, you can still develop this kind of relationship. You're not alone, you know, this thing that we feel alone that's a problem, you know, because that's not the real thing. You, we keep ourselves alone and separated due to lack of knowledge, I would say. I want to kind of summarize what I heard and, and I want to add to it and ask questions. So the navel part, you talked about the breath. And just to remind the listeners who have been, if you've been listening to other episodes or those that see me in my practice, you know, I always set the intention that the practice is simple, simple. Breath is simple, simple, powerful, effective, and playful is my always my intention. And if you like complicated, then I think you're gonna have trouble having the quantum integrated medicine because it's simple. <laughs> it's not it's not complicated, and the breath is simple. And we have great more and more studies about using the breath and how it affects heart rate variability, engages the parasympathetic. Valentina talked about that congestion. We call it stagnation in the lower jaw, the lower abdomen, where you get all kinds of physical elements. And we're talking about reproductive health here as well. So cysts, fibroids, she mentioned reproductive issues. So we want the circulation. So we breathe into the belly with a nice long exhale can engage the parasympathetic. Then when you went to the heart, something that I thought of is you talked about forgiveness. And I, it's just been for myself and in my patients, I use the word acceptance because I feel like all words have a vibration to it. Um, David Hawkins has written about this in Power Versus Force. And for some people, it's difficult to forgive, right? It's just they, they can't get there. But we can accept, meaning this thing happened. I don't like it, but I accept that it happened, right? So when you're not able to forgive or you can't accept, and again, I may jump in as the quantum physicist. I'm just telling you how I, I my left brain, I used to be an accountant, a CPA before I did Dr. Chinese medicine. So that part of my brain still needs to understand for me to kind of relax into it. So I understand that when you're fighting with reality, you create resistance. In Chinese medicine, we call it qi stagnation. Mm -hmm. And when you have resistance, you don't have uh, flow and receptivity. That does not feel good. We call that stress in the West as well. And then disease manifests. When the resistance is dropped, which I believe happens when you have what you're calling forgiveness in the heart, or I use the word when you can fully accept what is, surrender to what is and accept it, the resistance drops, you drop into presence, and now you have flow and receptivity, and you're connecting to what I think is your higher self, which is all potentiality. And this is where amazing things can happen. There's the difference, uh, Lord, which you might mm -hmm. want to explain. The acceptance and forgiveness are not the same thing. Yeah. Acceptance begins the process. Acceptance yeah. is okay. I accept what is that begins the process. The forgiveness is a proactive process. You have to know, then you have to go. There are two things here. See, when the heart is blocked, that means that the heart is not working in the quantum way. Right. That's what blockage means. Heart acts on the quantum way, it produces the vital energies of love. If heart does not act in the quantum way, it goes back to the defensive mode. Love is no longer, love energy is no longer being created. 
two things are responsible for it. One, at the vital level, we are not quantum using the quantum heart. And the second is, what caused it? Mind usually causes it. Right. The mental part is what is giving wrong meaning. So acceptance stops the mind from making further damage. Mm -hmm. And then we have to proactively at the work at the vital level, this is what Valentin was talking about. This, this um, forgiveness training is more than just mental forgiveness. It requires vital energies. Can we go a little deeper into this forgiveness? Because I, I feel like I have a good grasp of the acceptance on a mental and experiential level, and, I'm, and I facilitate people in that. Do you find that when you can get into a state of acceptance, the forgiveness just happens naturally. It's almost a non-doing because of your acceptance, or is it an active process that is required? And do you have tips for that process to forgive? Because yeah. as you said earlier, if you pretend or fake it, it just doesn't work. Like you can say, oh, I want to heal, so I'm going to forgive the person, but you're really not. So the acceptance for me is the easiest thing to do over, it's easy, like, because it is what is, like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's what's happened. But can Absolutely. you talk more about forgiveness? Uh, there are so many levels, you know, and actually, again, as you put yourself down and you suffer and you suffer, especially as a woman, there are so many levels that you're not aware of. So again, it has two parts, two important parts. First, it is indeed on the mental level, and that's where you can talk about acceptance, you know, where you hold enmity or some grudge against someone else because they did some wrong to you or yourself, you know. And then you, you recognize that it's really not that important the more you go into acceptance, as you call it, you know, because they are doing wrong so often, maybe, you know. So often it's only ignorance uh, and other times uh, because it conflicts with our interests. So again, you recognize this, you know, with reason first, what you call acceptance, you know. And actually you are talking also about that stage when things happen by themselves. Again, still there are so many, many layers, you know. And uh, it's not going to be enough to do it at the mental level. Yes, there are practices. And yes, I use certain practices with great success. I use them myself and with patients with cancer, especially with patients with ADHD, with uh, heart disease. So it's something which we use also with the, with the quantum yoga groups. We just do it regularly. The thing is, you have to do it regularly. There are so many levels to unfold. You know, it's amazing. Forgiveness, actually, it can even lead you towards stages of enlightenment eventually. It's much more than reasoning it out. But that's a start, you know. So understanding that again, it's only hurting me, holding this grudge. And people can do it out of ignorance, self-interest. Everyone has self-interest, including me. That can be a beginning. But then again, you realize that there is a contraction of consciousness. Yeah, you have to see that, that the energy of the heart is deplenishing whenever you're thinking of that person or of that situation. Whenever that happens, you can call it, I would call it a karmic event, you know, and then you have to engage. I have a favored uh, Christian esoteric method, which I use for forgiveness for very deep levels. So again, the first part is the thinking uh, part. You maybe people already studied uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, the stages of grief. Yes, so acceptance is, is described there as the last part, but actually I would say it's the beginning, you know, to really go deep. Now, also, you know that there are people who are not forgiving, not even on the dying bed. Imagine how is that? Mm -hmm. So understanding <laughs> what's happening about dying, you know, that's also something interesting when you really want to take hold and uh, be responsible for your life. But again, the second part is more difficult, you know, and it includes self-forgiveness because, for example, let's say that you work with a bigger problem. And I'll go back if you want to give you some other tips for practice. But then again, once you work with the most evident problems, 
you still need to do what is called self forgiveness and eventually first of all you're doing but then it becomes something that you are because we make for example daily promises to ourselves and we don't keep them yeah and this will show up in the form of a guilt and this is something very subtle you know so it's it's necessary to train that brain and to the body to connect with the feelings in the body to enhance the positive emotional brain circuits and uh, yeah so working in in that way then of course i'm recommending having a journal and um, when forgiveness indeed is total you will not suffer from any guilt and you will just forgive immediately forgiveness again it's out of description what is forgiveness what is not forgiveness you know forgiveness is not forgetting first of all it's not putting under the carpet it doesn't mean that you cannot react to something it doesn't even mean that you have to continue a certain relation it's not that but indeed once you work yourself you know, through that, all kinds of miracles can happen. Even in a relationship, you know, the relationships can really change. Even if you are have to still meet that person, you will see it's like you're not keeping yourself changed and chained to that if it's a karmic event. And things will change. Of course, now it's difficult when you have somebody in your family and you have to meet that person every single day and still cope with that. Then, then it can be more difficult and you can even get extremely sick if you don't know what's happening there. But then again, it's understanding so much has to be done because for the reward reward and punishment circuits you have to understand them they are in the brain and it's not something that goes away yeah so <laughs> i don't even know from where to start you know but again you have to see where you are too much me-centered you know not attending to the vital energies you know we have many questions for you guys and we're going to jump around a bit if that's okay um <laughs> Because I wanna, I wanna pick your brains and your hearts in the nicest way possible <laughs> to get some, to get my curiosity um, answered and to help me on my path of of awakening as well and the people I get to see and our listeners. So one of them is Amit. I I remember hearing and because I listened to your book, The Quantum Doctor, reading the Quantum Integrative Medicine book by the, by both of you. You have a process, and I think you call it Doobie Doobie Do, and I have a process that I call Notice, Accept, Choose Again. But I was like, oh, it's a doobie doo. Mine's doobie doo. Yours is doobie doobie doo. So I'd like to hear yours. And then I'm going to share a little bit of what I think again. And I want to see if it aligns with your uh, quantum physics brain and the integrative healing that you're doing. So can you give a general overview of what you mean by doobie doobie doo? Yeah, most people think of creativity as a thinking process, one level. But creativity actually is a two level process. The creativity researchers have found that people who are really creative, they are always spend only some time working, but the rest of the time they are relaxing. They are not doing really anything that is can be called the creative research. So that's what makes them suspect that there must be two stage process. There must be preparation and what they call incubation. The images of a bird sitting on an egg doing nothing, and later psychologists, when they thought about it, they discovered it's unconscious processing. In quantum physics, we finally understand what unconscious processing does, because if I think of pollutions, every bit of those thinking becomes quantum waves of possibility when we are relaxing. So in the unconscious, this possibility waves are spread and spread and becoming bigger and bigger, containing many more meanings, than I generated in the conscious process. And so consciousness has a much bigger pool of possibilities to choose from. Now I'm mainly talking about mental because 
creativity most people think is bent up, but apparently that made it plenty clear. We have to be creative with the vital. The vital energies have to be unblocked. They have to be changed. So for that, we need movement. So this movement kind of thing, Tai Chi, Qigong, the Chinese do it very well. Indians do it with pranayama. But nowadays, people are discovering that other kinds of movements can be used. We have a graduate student in our PhD program who is using dance movements of various kinds in order to see if that has healing effect on the vital energy can remove vital energy blocks. So this is the kind of thing that quantum physics is making us aware where this doobie doobie do is our basic principle. We will teach people that, look, it is very important to initiate preparation, very important to imagine, very important to do physical things. But it is equally important to do Movement must come, must be followed by stillness. So this is the Indian principle. All the Qigong exercises, for example, involve movement first, and then it will come to rest. Movement and stillness. Movement is yang, stillness is in. That's why potentialities come in and they are processed. So when you live your life that way, work only part of the time and rest of the time, really relax. That doesn't mean that you just sit and think about other things because that can make you anxious and close up your being much more. So you really have to relax. When we really, really relax, then the unconscious invites God in, inside, you must say, and the God within starts, starts solving your problem. So of course that would be a very wonderful situation because I am contributing my share, and God is doing the solution. Right. What can be better? So then, then we have something in common here, and I want to share. And I love it because you got you bring in the physics into this. So my observation one day was you probably have heard or read some of Eckhart Tolle's work, like The Power of Now. And he talks about when you're present and to be present and how good the presence is. And I remember thinking, this sounds great. How do I become present, <laughs> right? Because it was great to be present. And I developed a process from reading all the, going to my workshops, my meditations and reading. One day I had my epiphany, <laughs> something came through me where I realized everybody was doing one thing. Like they're all doing the same thing to get into presence. And I realized for some of us, the left brainers, we need a little doing to get into being, right? And then from that being, right action follows that right thinking, right feeling, we have doing. And so what I share, what my, my experience was that when I'm unconscious, I'm, when I'm in separation and I'm in, my beingness is coming from lack and fear, then my activity is growing out of lack and fear. My doing comes out of my beingness, which is lack and fear. And if I can find that true presence, which I believe I'm tapping into something, consciousness, higher self, and I get quiet and still, then inspired thought will enter me, which I believe you call that God energy or consciousness, and then I'll have inspired action. So two people could be doing the same thing, but because their beingness is at a different vibration, they'll get different outcomes. Even though they're doing the same thing, their beingness is different. So that was my observation. I never called it doobie-doo, but when I heard your doobie-doobie-doo, I go, hey, yeah, I do this to get into presence. And then from the presence, I wait until I feel called to do something. And so the, the action still happens 
from that beingness. And it is that quietness. And it reminds me of like the professor that has a math question and they can't solve it and they work on it for hours. So they go take a shower or they walk in nature. And then when they're not thinking about the problem, they get the answer. So divine, or I call it inspired thought enters you, which I believe is that infinite potential, infinite knowledge. And then I think what I'm understanding now is consciousness works through you. And then you manifest that into the physical world, you collapse it. But it, it's because you have let go of the resistance, the resistance drops, you now have flow and receptivity, free flow of chi, and now this consciousness can work through you. That's my understanding. Very good, very good understanding. So realistically, what it, what it involves, meditation. You know, people usually advise meditation like TM, the entire teaching is meditation, concentrate on the mantra. But that's still doing, and this is, this is a bit strange because it should be for a long time. Eventually, mind does become a little relaxed, but that's a long time effect. What happens immediately, of course, people wonder, but that was worse. I want to have a beard now. You know, that reaction is very common because they are not really relaxing after a single session. So what I learned, and this is through practice and through quantum understanding, is that even meditation, concentration, and then awareness meditation, that's a little bit better, but still does not relax you. So what I do is to take people through concentration, awareness, witnessing, and then I say, well, now that you have exhausted yourself with all that work, just sit. And then it turns out that divine grace descends, and indeed they relax. Even... <laughs> Yeah, and what I do is, again, reminding everybody that we need a level of mental hygiene and attention before we go to there. And we tend to to kind of es escape this kind of thing, you know, because it seems too simple. But again, if we are not trained into attention since we are uh, at the early age, then it's going to be more difficult because we have to see that the most important problems that the brain develops as in the as the traditional child development today happens when you just throw a tablet you know or a computer to the child you're just destroying their brains so is that we have first of all hyperactivity or lack of concentration and that's why we start uh, meditation and yoga afterwards with the practice of concentration meditation yeah and concentration first of all on an outer subject outer object yeah so you can use the flame of a candle, for example. So you first of all, you do concentration on object, which is external, and then concentration on something internal, which is, for example, the breath. Or again, and then you can work on doing some Qigong movement or an asana that you're holding with the proper focus. So you're doing that, eventually falling into a state of meditation if that happens. But in the beginning, we have to really work on mental hygiene in this way. So first of all, for, to counteract this hyperactivity or lack of concentration, and then also knowing that there is a lot of intellectualism which is producing a contracted consciousness. And then we address this via awareness meditation later on. But people tend to skip these uh, steps, you know, and then you say, oh, I'm ready to go into deeper meditation, but, and then you are sitting on a meditation and you fall asleep and you think this is meditation. And also this we saw over time. So that would be the first things there's a relation between attention and choice and if you speak about creativity or that as what you said there so you have to have access to the choice so intention choice comes after you developed a level of attention and we have to 
to see that nowadays, again, the society is not really helping us in this direction. We have to help ourselves, right? Without yeah, that's why we, we got to read your books. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you said don't skip things. You know, you got to do this work. And I have a personal question that you may or may not be able to answer um, because I skipped a step. So back in October 2022, I wanted to work through some low-level anxiety and I wanted to speed up my awakening process. I was impatient <laughs> and I knew enough up here, but I wasn't in here yet. So I went and did psychedelics and I think I met the devil <laughs> on my psychedelics. I never experienced so much fear, guilt and shame and feeling not belonging. And during that psychedelic experience, I was experiencing that dark, dense, heavy energy. And at times I thought I was that dark, dense energy, right? And I've heard so much in this in this conscious work that it's all love and light. But what I experienced was the, uh, the full um, duality of opposite of that love and light. And and it broke my nervous system for for about nine months. I had to use my tools to get my nervous system back, where I feel like you know I'm in a great place. Um, it was only actually two days ago I I sat and meditated and I could bring up that uncomfortable energy and witness it, but it was still so uncomfortable in the body. We talked about, you know, going through these feelings of fear, shame, and guilt. And, you know, when I look at that experience, it's helped me as somebody who can facilitate and work with people in the healing profession, because when they come in with their shame, when they come in with their guilt, with their fear, I can have so much compassion because I, I experience what they, like I get what they're talking about from my experience. But for somebody I'm assuming who understands from the quantum level and for those that, for yourselves, you probably experienced this oneness. What was that? Like, what, what did I experience? What is your take on that? Because I still trying to get my head around it. I did get a message. I'm going to be vulnerable here and share with the audience. Like it was such a weird thing when I went in there and I, I did two trips of it because I wanted to understand more of this. It was a, such a darkness. And I, I had this understanding from my my training Chinese medicine that extreme yin turns into yang and that was such dark energy I decided to go through it again thinking that if I could sit through that darkness and just be with it light would come out of it right I would come out the other side I didn't <laughs> by the way that was the attention um, and when I came out of the trip the last thing I remember hearing as a voice not my voice it was a dark energy, and it said that the world was created by evil, evil wins. So what happened with this kind of thing is that they don't work at the vital level. They work purely at the brain level. What happens, it blocks a lot of the cortical aspects and brings out the midbrain aspects, the negative emotion. And the, all the suppressed stuff, which is mostly negative emotions that we suppress, and that's where your focus was. So it, it is much better to, if you have to go that route, I don't, we don't promote the drug route because it, it cannot be really controlled and uh, it's not, it's a bit dangerous. But anyway, yes, yes, I will say drugs, yes to that. <laughs> but better, there are better drugs like, you know, Ahushka they use in Brazil. These things are plant-based drugs. What happened with the plants is that they have vital energy in addition. So the vital energies also work on the body. So it's not just the brain. So brain involving just the brain will put up only the stuff the brain has, which is mental in the cortex, 
and the emotions, negative emotions, mostly in the midbrain. But the, the LSD, the drug, blocks out the cortex. And therefore, most things that you're experiencing in your midbrain, and you never experience the darkness that we carry in the midbrain. And yes. It's a horrible experience, right? Yes, it, it, was, now, it was terrifying and <laughs> traumatizing. So we should not really look at these chemicals instead. Uh, natural, like mushrooms or beauty, or and always with spiritual guidance, because what the spiritual teachers do is that they give you music, spiritual music, and that music helps you orient a bit towards um, positive. But remember, the positives are in the body; they are not in the brain. The brain has five times more negative than positive. The positive or negative just overwhelms you. But if you also have the body available, which the plants will do because they are feeding vital energy to that, then you can compensate somewhat with positive. And that's where the addition of music, addition of a presence of a teacher, these things really can help. So I uh, I would say that yeah it's you, you should if you ever have to do this then you have to know how you do it obviously and uh, only if you have to otherwise we have all these things that we have to develop love can be the biggest drug for me it is love <laughs> that's the drug I would choose every day you know but uh, if if you happen to I mean we don't know how life goes but if it's something really that you just cannot manage and you find yourself in your having the chance to meet such a really developed uh, you know person who can help you and be next to you into this kind of healing and you have to know what to choose uh, because you are becoming very passive you have to be attentive to that so especially if you do it with other people you know so you have to you can pick up so many things in this passive way and then the thing is that indeed it's you're so lucky that you came out in nine months you know there are people who many years if they come out you know from a very bad experience in that way which you maybe you can even experience something from the un, you know unconscious collective you know which you can pick up it's in that interesting moment. that you say that valentina because so because the next day so the med you know the drugs are already out of my system but my brain's been activated my body went into convulsions and shook for four to six hours and i was able you know i had my practice so i was going in and out of witnessing it and not witnessing it, like being at the effect of it and then observing it. And I would ask questions. I'm like, I, I, I remember saying to myself or my witnessing, I said, I think I traumatized myself with the drugs, right? And I heard in my head, no, you already had this trauma inside you. The drugs have just activated it. And I was yeah, like, I don't and know. The, and then I asked, the, I, I'll just share with this, this part. Then I asked, because you talked to the collective, then I asked the question, is this my trauma or is this my childhood trauma? And I heard it's your childhood trauma, it's your trauma, and it's collective trauma. And then for four hours, I just sweated, screamed, and shook. <laughs> and I had people working with me at the retreat, and that was my experience. And then, like you said, you're lucky you came out of it. If I didn't have the resources and the tools and the people that I know through my podcast, my I had people work with me and work on me, and I had my tools, my herbs, and my acupuncture, my low-level laser. I mean, I was a full-time project for that to get my nervous system back, and it's brought me to this place where I am on my path. Um, it just, like I said, I skipped steps 
but I don't recommend <laughs> skipping steps because it took me to a place to what some people call the dark night of the soul, which I probably wouldn't have met for many more years, but I, um, I wasn't prepared for it, but now I have practices to sit in it and uh, yeah. observe it. Let me, let me get something to that. Because again, what you said was super important for everybody to not play around with these things, you know, because again, you can, maybe you make some steps on your evolution, then you can step back so much, you know, and eventually maybe you will not even get back to be equilibrated, you know. So pay attention to that. But also what you said um, reminded me of, for example, you know, women, we are much more receptive. For example, women, we have periods, you know, then we can really tap into so much of this, collective unconscious wounds you know it's it's so impressive what a woman can take really and can experience and for me when I was working through my own processes of forgiveness a lot of this kind of things came of course you maybe you learn about other kind of therapies like constellation therapy and indeed you can but this is never ending so you have to eventually get it to the supramental level and develop your own vital creativity process yeah because otherwise you can go into so much healing which will never end you know you can do so much tapping and so many things and be lost in that so you still have to get into vital creativity and again develop this quantum leaps at various levels and find what is the meaning of your life what is the purpose of your life if not all this healing yes it can help it can help generations of people yes and i got some messages that my work really came with that but uh, still we have to do our own process because life is really a precious gift and it's not so long and it's not yeah. so long right in yeah. the grand scheme of things it's not very long i have a couple more questions but i want to remind people that you guys do offer training and program in in so can you tell us the name of your program a little bit about it and uh the website it's your name is it is that where we go to it's uh, amigaswami.org that's where they can find information on it is is that the place to go also cqaedu.com i'm seeing it cqaedu.com and we'll put that in the show notes as well everybody so what is your program about and what do you call it so it's called the uh, it's quantum activism Vishvalayam. It's what we developed uh, in India, but the problem is not only in India. Just it requires that people come to India for an intensive proximity because we believe in proximity training. You know, it's not just online. We want to meet the people. That's the place where we can really create that first correlation that you can later on apply and tap into non-locality. But first of all, you have to correlate. You know, and what happens in the proximity? It's amazing every time. And uh, we have a few programs. So we have a master program, we have a PhD program, all in quantum science. And also we have a certificate, a few certification programs, you know, which, which include uh, a number of video series, which are pre-recorded with Amit. And then we have uh, live webinars every Saturday, every Sunday. Yeah, they have these proximity programs where they have to come to India. And the cost is, again, much less than uh, in other universities. And it's all based on quantum science. And we have indeed now, we had five batches of masters who graduated already. And the first batches of PhDs, now they will graduate is still a young program. But uh, it is really like every single person has went, has gone through levels of transformation and healing and not so easy many times. <laughs> right. Congratulations on that program. Um, Thank you. An observation for me, and I'm curious what you guys know, and I, and I ask you because of your background and you're prolific writers. So this is why I ask you, because when you write, you research, you contemplate, you think. It seems like when we look at the world um, and we hear other conscious teachers say that, you know, awakening happens often through great suffering. And it looks like there's a collective awakening happening. 
You know, COVID was a good example of it. We see where nobody's immune to the wars now, wherever the war is, we're all affected. Social media makes us all identify and become dual, you know, polarized, right? Looking at the elections around the world. Do you see this as a, there's a collective awakening happening and we're all being called to do our work, our inner work? Do you see this as well, that there's something, there's an evolution happening in humanity on a conscious level? There, there are. Uh, I don't know if you read a psychologist, David Hawking's work, but David Hawking has done some very interesting experiments and he claims that uh, there are 15%, 85% polarization in the world. 15% are aware that we have human potential and we have to recover this human potential, discover them and embody them. Whereas the 85% really are confused. Part of them are materialists. They don't believe anything like God or spirituality or archetypes at all. And the others are religionists, but they are very confused because religious systems are of course, very hypocrites, and so nobody, in other words, practices anything. So here is the thing, is 15% are aware that you have to practice. It is all in the dooby-dooby-doo. Just being does not do anything, just having the idea that, yeah, there is God and grace does not help you to, to find God and grace. To find them, you have to really prepare, you have to do it. Sure. So this is the thing, and this is what we try to teach in our main aspect of our education, master's and PhD or certification, or today. We always are telling people that, look, either doing, that's what the materialists do, is not enough, but being is what alternative education sometimes do, like the book Secret, you may have read it, or the movie Secret. You just be relaxed and ask, and that will do. No, it doesn't do. What does is a concerted process of transformation that you have to go through. So our education is transformative, and this message people are getting, but only the 50%. Remember, 50% of 8 billion people is 1 billion more. So 1 billion people is a lot of people, so it seems like an awakening in mass. But that is still part of it. The 85%, how to awaken those, is a tough, tough challenge, I hope, as we get more and more of the 15% involved in loving, some of the love will get to the 85% and slowly will start some fall in the thinking. Look at the mainstream media. It's all full of that confused thinking. I agreed. And... I wanted to have some clarity. So you're talking about 15% of the world. There's this awakening that's happening. There's awareness and doing being is not enough. You can't just sit on your mountaintop. There's a right action must follow right being. Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by that though? Cause I still believe the action has to be inspired action. Right. And so what are your thoughts on this? If you could just elaborate a bit more. Because the, the world is, because we need, because it seems like it's, you know, we're beyond space and time, not non-local, but in the material world, to me, it seems like the world's upside down. Like when I see what's going on in the world, it became apparent to me that this is so not logical and rational that what I'm seeing has to be an existential thing happening. And I don't understand it because it's, it's beyond the, the thinking brain, but something is happening that seems very 
to me in the quantum, not in the material world. Yeah. We're seen in the material world, but there's something, there's more reasoning behind it that I can't comprehend with my pea brain that's happening. And I was just curious what your thoughts are and yeah. and what our roles are for those that are looking to create well, more love and quantum peace. Quantum physics makes it very clear. Look, there is unconscious is divided into personal unconscious, collective unconscious, and then quantum unconscious. That's where the new possibilities are. So we have to become open to quantum possibilities. This is why Valentino so much talks about mental hygiene and forgiveness, because that makes the access to choice, which comes from quantum consciousness, quantum part of the unconscious. So yes, possibilities, of course. Yes, unconscious, of course. That has to be combined with conscious. But there is also trick in the unconscious, because unconscious is full of negative stuff, too. And then you have to get to the positive part of the unconscious, the new. And this is why we have to do all this cleansing work so that we are available to choice from that one consciousness that gives us solutions to problems. Valentina, do you want to add to this about, like, we want peace on Earth. We want to heal the planet. So many people say to heal the planet, we need to heal ourselves first. And can you share if there is this collective awakening, which seems to be very uncomfortable when we look at social media, the news and the world, can you give some hope so when people fall asleep tonight, they'll feel good about what's going on or, or, some, or some of the doobie dooby doo stuff that they could do? Yeah, I think, uh, again, it is, as I see it, it is a time of trial, obviously. And what I also see, you should know, you know already for sure, that it, a lot of truth comes out about all kinds of things. Negative things, very strange things, but also some positive things, all kinds of discoveries which can help. So I think it's the time that we put uh, in practice that choice that we have, you know. And of course, it has to start with us. So first of all, obviously, don't get so lost into only watching the media <laughs> yeah, okay. and computers. Connect with nature, for God's sake. So the nature has everything that we need. You know, It can help us get into that state of uh, expansion of consciousness, which is healing. So put in practice this kind of, I mean, don't, don't stay just locked in your houses as you stayed in COVID times and which created a lot of separation also in ourselves, separation between all kinds of levels of our being. So being in nature, being with at least make a group of people, some friends, one, two, three friends, if you don't have uh, one or two other people that you, you really love in your life or even get animals or something. So we should make some intelligent choices for us, you know, no matter where we are. And then for me, as I see it, we have to really develop the supramental level of our being, you know? So think of supramental as a, maybe you want to talk about this in another topic, you know, it's a, it's a big thing, but in that state of um, when you're open to those archetypes, you know, to what we call meaning and purpose, and we are having the hearts awakening you know, together with the minds united in a superior understanding, you know? So that, that is the state where we will not be so much influenced and put down from everything that happens in the world, you know? So whatever happens in the world, again, you're cooking on your richness, you know, because there's a lot of richness, but if you're not attentive to that, and you're, you again, it's choosing which, what do you want? You know, you're choosing that richness, which is there anyway, or you're choosing the darker side of the things. And then in that way, yes, you can help the world, but of course I see it that there will be some trials, you know, and, uh, we shall see. But again, connecting with nature, connecting with yourself will bring back some of the wisdom 
And uh, let's see what the humanity has uh, in store for us. But also there is, everybody has a guardian angel. For example, you go to sleep and you make a prayer to a guardian angel, which is actually an archetype, which helps us in the direction of fulfilling our dharma. You know, when you make a step towards fulfilling your dharma and whatever you're here for, which is not just one thing, you know, it's developing certain qualities and embodying them on earth. And then the universe is really making thousands of steps towards you, you know, and, and kind of really trusting. So when you are doing the right thing and then also trusting and expanding and step by step, and then let's see to what this can build, you know, because again, there are physical relation, but there are also non-physical relation. And eventually another subject, which may be interesting is the extraterrestrial connection. <laughs> what was that? The last part? Extraterrestrial connection. Okay. That's another subject that you really work on. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, another time, Valentina, not this one. Another time. <laughs> so, so I want to remind our listeners, Amit Gaswami and Valentina Anasur have several books and some and several written together. And the latest that I I have in my hand is Quantum Integrative Medicine, a new paradigm for health disease prevention and healing. So check out that. Check out their website. So C-Q-A-E-D-U, I don't know why I have trouble saying that, .com. It's in the show notes. And again, I want to thank you, Dr. Meek Gaswami, Dr. Valentina Anasur, for spending so much time with me today. If you're looking for support to grow your family, contact AccuBalance Wellness Center. At AccuBalance, they help you reach your peak fertility potential through their integrative approach using low-level laser therapy, fertility acupuncture, and naturopathic medicine. Download the AccuBalance Fertility Diet and Dr. Brown's video for mastering manifestation and clearing subconscious blocks. Go to AccuBalance.ca, that's A-C-U-Balance.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Conscious Fertility, the show that helps you receive life on purpose. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show and join the community of women and men on their path to peak fertility and choosing to live consciously on purpose. I would love to continue this conversation with you, so please direct message me on Instagram at Lauren Brown Official. That's Instagram, Lauren Brown Official. Or you can visit my websites, laurenbrown.com and acubalance.ca. Until the next episode, stay curious, and for a few moments, bring your awareness to your heart center and breathe. Thank you.